everyone! Welcome back to the Just Justine Time podcast with your host, Justine or Kitty Cat 23 depending on where you know me from. How is your wonderful day going? Is it going good? Bad? Well, no matter what, I hope you're getting through it. Today is almost Christmas! That's absolutely crazy. I'm pretty sure there's only like a week a week left until Christmas, so I'm really excited. So I thought today I'd get pretty festive with a cute little Santa hat. I also, um, if you are watching me through the video format, I did decorate my room a little bit. I got some really cute Christmas uh, sheets as well as a duvet. I got some cute Christmas lights. I even got a cute little Christmas tree and a Santa Claus in the background um, because I absolutely love Christmas. I know I've been saying this the past few um, podcasts, but I, I absolutely love Christmas. I cannot wait. I, I love the gifts of giving and all that fun stuff. Um, but today, uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as the history behind it, the symptoms, the causes, you know the drill by now, right? <laughs> I just want to give a quick thanks to everyone who's been watching my podcast as we are on episode, oh my gosh, I think we're almost hitting episode 10, which is absolutely crazy crazy. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for liking, subscribing, rating, anything. I, I really am thankful for it. But anyways, let's get into uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So it is basically a mental health disorder that is triggered or caused by a major traumatic event. Um, whether you experienced it yourself or you witnessed um, a traumatic event that something like that someone else um, went through. There is a bunch of different kinds of uh, post-traumatic stress disorders that you can have. Um, I will start with the normal stress response, so this is not PTSD. This is essentially what is deemed normal in uh, society day-to-day life. Normal stress response um, occurs before PTSD, so you don't necessarily or it won't necessarily develop into PTSD. Um, this is essentially what everyone experiences. So if you experience anything like an accident or uh, any injury, illness, surgeries, all of that stuff, um, there is such thing as the normal stress response, which is just your body's way of naturally reacting to a stressful situation. So basically, you know, cortisol gets released, which is the stress hormone, and you will stress about whatever happened. Basically, normal stress response can be treated um, with the support of loved ones, peers. You don't necessarily have to go to therapy, depending on how serious the event was and how you yourself reacted to the event. Um, basically, individuals who have normal stress response, which is literally anyone, um, usually symptoms clear up within a one to two weeks. Essentially think that if you failed a test um, and you got a really bad grade, it's, you know, how stressed out you are that you might not be able to make it to graduate school or make it through high school. It's essentially the same thing where you're stressed out for a couple weeks, but eventually you'll get over it, right? So what happens if you don't get over it? Well, there's a bun bunch of different kinds of PTSD uh, that you can get. The more common-ish one is acute PTSD. So it is not the same as post-traumatic stress disorder. So acute stress disorder um, is essentially right one step before PTSD. This is where a traumatic event, like again, illness, injury, all that stuff, um, if you come in contact with an event, it is basically that you'll be stressed for about the first six months. Um, after the event. So let's say your loved one went into a, a terrible car crash. Um, it will take a long time and that instead of just talking to someone and getting over it, it's more you need to go to therapy or else it, if left untreated will turn into full developed post-traumatic stress disorder. So essentially think of acute PTSD as OMG this situation just happened. Um, this is affecting my life and it's going to affect me for a while until I am able to get over it which is, you know, it makes sense. Um, sometimes you can do medicine, um, like, you know, antidepressants, all that stuff to get over it, but it's very hard to get over it. And people with, again, people with acute post-traumatic stress disorder, usually symptoms go away within six months. Um, that's why it's called acute, it means small. But if you do not get over acute PTSD, there's also such thing called uncomplicated 
PTSD. I didn't, you know, actually doing my research into post-traumatic stress disorder, I actually thought that there was only one thing and that it was PTSD. And it's not. There's like so many subcategories that deem what you are. So uncomplicated PTSD um, is due to one traumatic life event and not multiple. Um, so uncomplicated essentially means that if you had one huge event in your life, that is the reason why you have PTSD. Whether that is, let's say, abuse um, through childhood, again, major car accident, death of a loved one, um, if that major event triggered it, then that is what uncomplicated PTSD is. Symptoms of this include, of course, um, the common ones where you think of, where it's like flashbacks, nightmares, like freaking out, having panic attacks, getting triggered over things that may uh, bring up the thoughts of what happened. Um, it is also the easiest the easiest one to treat. Um, acute PTSD, again, goes away um, after a while, essentially, where if you do go to therapy, or some people do just get over it eventually, um, but with uncomplicated PTSD, it's essentially, it is full-blown PTSD, but it's easier to treat since it's only linked to one event. So, like, if you got abused as a child, you can work through with your therapist. Um, just, you can get to the root of the problem faster, basically. Um, but then that goes on to complex PTSD, and this is the exact opposite as uncomplicated. It is where instead of one major life event, there were multiple tragic events. So think of you were abused as a kid, your mother died in a huge car accident, uh, your pet died, and your boyfriend is beating you, and he just broke up with you or cheated on you, whatever. Like, just think of the list of everything that could go wrong went wrong and now you are suffering from it. So this is the most common in, like I just said, domestic abuse cases um, where there is multiple instances um, of, you know, abuse that you remember, which therefore makes it harder to get to the root of the problem when you do try and get help. Again, medication therapy, it's, it's, it's the best way to help talk it out. Um, is the best way to get over PTSD. I'm not saying you can get over PTSD, but it is one of the mental disorders that are better treatable. I don't know how to explain that without sounding insensitive, but this PTSD is best um, solved with therapy. The more you talk about um, the traumatic event, the more you will learn how to cope with your feelings and eventually maybe not get the symptoms anymore. So complex uh, PTSD can also be diagnosed with borderline or uh, antisocial disorders because um, symptoms include with this, and so instead of just flashbacks and nightmares and all that, this is where people will show outward aggression, um, out substance abuse, sexual impulsivity, impulsivity, oh my goodness. So this is basically where they take out their problems on other people. So think of it as uncomplicated PTSD is where usually people will just get triggered. And with and I hate using that word because it seems like nowadays everyone is overusing the word trigger. It's like, oh my god, I'm so triggered. And it's like, no, this is actually a, like um, a psychological term. A trigger is something that um, if you see something happening, it will trigger you and either send you into a panic attack or send you into the downward spiral. So essentially it's like, well, actually, I'll get into it um, a little bit later once I get done all of the different PTSDs because I actually have a story that relates to this, so we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, but yeah, basically, people with complex PTSD um, show extreme rage, extreme depression from these multiple events, and it's way harder to treat because, again, it's very hard to get to a root of a problem when there's multiple roots that you need to get through. Um, the last one is comorbid PTSD. Comorbid PTSD is a blanket term for co-occurring uh, disorders. So this basically means when a person has one or more mental health disorders as well as gets diagnosed with PTSD. People with comorbid uh, PTSD, it's more common because it is less severe, um, but it's essentially it is linked with another mental disorder. So if you have depression, um, it depends where you got your depression. Did you are you depressed because you had a hard life growing up due to neglect and abuse? Well, you're most likely going to have comorbid PTSD because you got that depression from a young age. So therefore, um, 
that depression is caused from an event. Um, with comorbid PTSD, people actually, this is the most common to self-medicate. So people who use alcohol, weed, all that stuff, they tend to numb the pain or numb the event that happened. Um, substance abuse is 40% more likely to happen in people who do who have experienced a traumatic event in their life. Um, there is a lot of ways people do self-cope. Um, I know I know a couple people in my life don't like therapy. They think it's weird talking to a random stranger. So they decide to partake in, you know, marijuana, alcohol, sometimes even, like, just, like, coke or any kind of drug, really, whatever gets you through the day. But then again, there is also healthier self-coping mechanisms, which is, you know, cooking, hiking, blah, blah, blah. People will pick their poison, essentially. But anyways, <laughs> um, PTSD is the third most common uh, in the world um, following depression and anxiety. So it is pretty, it's a pretty serious um, disorder, considering that if you look back in the history of PTSD, it was actually originally called shell shock. And for any older um, generations that are listening to my podcast today, you probably know this term because PTSD did not get recognized uh, in the DSM-5 until 1992, which is absolutely crazy. Um, a lot of doctors at the time figured that um, only military veterans could get shell shock, i.e. PTSD, because if you guys don't know what shell shock is, it is basically where a person will go to war, they will experience a lot of tragic losses, as i.e. murder, death, all of that crazy stuff, um, and then when they come home, um, some severe cases, and what most people know of shell shock is where people couldn't stop twitching, they couldn't form their thoughts right, they couldn't speak, um, they were just so far gone with from what they saw. So that's what shell shock was deemed, but yes, in 1992, the DSM-5 finally recognized that, hey, it's not just military veterans, it is other people too who can suffer from traumatic events, um, that's not just war. Though, it's funny, because when I was, uh, researching the history of PTSD, again, I came up, um, across Stockholm Syndrome, and I feel like you could go on a whole podcast episode about it, but I actually got shell shock and Stockholm syndrome confused, but I'm not going to confuse it for you guys, but I will give you this cute little tidbit of information. Um, Stockholm syndrome was, if you guys don't know what Stockholm syndrome is, it's basically where people will fall in love with their captors. If you've ever heard of um, people getting kidnapped for like months at a time, uh, usually when they get interviewed, when they are found, if they are found, um, that they'll, they end up falling in love with their captor. And anyways, this term was coined in Stockholm, Sweden. That's why it's called Stockholm Syndrome. And it happened in 1973. But essentially, there was a bank robbery that happened where the robbers kept uh, four people hostage for, I think, a week, like six days. And when they finally got released and interviewed by the police, um, the hostages actually tried to protect the robbers and say that um, they weren't actually that bad. And some even found like a relationship um, with them, not like a sexual relationship or romantic, but essentially Stockholm Syndrome is if you get kidnapped, you will end up falling in love with your captor because they are feeding you, they are, they are the ones who are in control of you and us humans are very um, persuadable people. So if the only person in your life is your captor, you're going to end up developing some sort of um, connection with them due to that. So don't want you guys to get that mixed up. So this is a really interesting fact um, that I found out that I did even more research on because I'm a foster child. Like I grew up in the foster care system um, for about oh my gosh, six years, four years, something like that, four to six years. Um, but it was recently found that people with, from the ages of 14 to 18, if you were in foster care um, during those ages, um, the rate of PTSD in adults is significantly higher than war uh, veterans, which is very interesting to say because I really wonder what's going on um, in foster homes for the fact that people can get PTSD that bad. Don't get me wrong, I um, grew up in some terrible foster homes. My first foster home, um, they would force me to eat breakfast, and if I didn't eat breakfast, they would lock me um, in my room for the whole day, and I wasn't allowed to eat. 
until the next day, um, I guess as a way of punishment, I guess. Um, and then the next foster care place I went to uh, was significantly worse. Um, I have a very rare memory of it, and I'm not going to get into details of it essentially here, but I do remember one specific story that I do want to tell because they went to jail over this, and thank goodness they did, because essentially what happened is I was sick one night. I remember this, like, clear as day. I think I was five at the time, which I know. How do I remember that? Well, probably because it was a traumatic event. Um, essentially, yeah, I was sick uh, one night, and I kept throwing up in the bed. I'm five, okay? Like, I don't know to go to the bathroom. Anyways, my foster care parents, um, they got really mad at me, and I kept throwing up in the bed. This happened, like, three more times throughout the night to the point where it finally stained the mattress. Like, my vomit stained the mattress. They got so mad at me that they took a jalapeno pepper and, like, they cut it in half and they squeezed it in my eyes, they rubbed it on my lips and they literally threw me in the bathtub covered in puke and everything and they're like you're sleeping here tonight like go cry about it like this is what you get for not going to the bathroom when you are sick um maybe that's why when i drink uh, to the point where i need to puke i refuse to throw up until i'm in front of a toilet did i just diagnose my like a whole thing to myself, yeah, maybe, maybe I did, but essentially, yeah, that, that, um, it is a terrible story, I do talk about it, though, because I personally don't like the foster care system, it's funny, though, because I do know, um, a person who does work in social work, um, as well as that, and they have a completely different take than I do, um, which is so crazy, because, like, I, mm -mm, I, I don't like foster care, I think it's bad and I think that people don't or at least if you want to become a foster parent there's not enough um like what's the word like research investigation against these parents like because like again I grew up in a very abusive foster homes so I don't like it and the fact that um adults who were in foster care um develop PTSD way more than military veterans it's just like that has to say something right like I feel like there should be an, a different way, especially with all of these, um, all of these cases coming out. You'd think they would change the foster care system, and maybe they have. I don't know. I'm not in the foster care system anymore. I don't know how it works. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. I can't say for sure. Um, though, going on to PTSD, um, I have talked about the symptoms uh, a bit. It is essentially depending on what you have is what you will get. Again. Uh, it can range from having nightmares and flashbacks to going full-on rage, um, impulsivity, self-medicating, i.e. drugs, alcohol. Um, it can even go as far as having psychotic breaks. Um, that's very rare, though. It's not a common symptom, um, but there is times where... Uh, people will have a, essentially it's called a mental breakdown, but a psychotic break is where, you know, you hear someone go off the rails, um, which, you know, let's hope no one gets to that point, but, you know, it happens more more common than you think. Um, also, people with PTSD tend to have a really um, big avoidance complex, so they will avoid absolutely anything and everything that uh, has to do with that scenario. Most people who do go through traumatic events have a temporary difficulty in adjusting and coping, which can be helped, again, through therapy, self-care, all that stuff. Though, if you yourself are um, finding it hard to cope or adjust to somewhere and you don't think that you have PTSD, if these symptoms go on for more than six months, you might have PTSD and it would be a good thing to maybe go to your psychologist and talk about it because there might even be events that you don't think affected you that much when in reality it has. This can be where like say your roommate, um, if your roommate tried to attempt suicide, um, you might think, oh, like, that's, like, their problem. Like, they are the ones who are dealing with all these emotions and stuff. But even though you were there to witness it, or even if you just heard about it, um, there is a chance you can develop a acute PTSD from it. Since, you know, some, a lot of humans like to think it's their fault, um, for situations that happen, when in reality, everyone is responsible for their own actions. Um, Bojack Horseman, 
you have never seen that TV series, go watch it. If you think that, um, if you are under the mentality that um, you are the problem or that you don't think you're the problem yet you don't understand why no one wants to be friends with you or no one likes you, BoJack Horseman is a great example of why that is. I'm not saying if you have no friends or are alone that you're a bad person, but there is times where you don't have to be a bad person, but you can do a bad action and affect the way people look at you, right? Um, I have been saying PTSD um, and trauma, um, it's basically one and the same. They are interconnected. Um, ba basically, yeah, if, if, you, if you go through a traumatic event, it develops PTSD. So PTSD can also be con uh, considered trauma, that you're going through trauma. Um, if you want to get down to the chemical basics of it, um, there is disruptions and changes in the amniogala, the hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex. Um, these all play um, with regulating emotions and your response to fear. Um, your hippocampus is your fear response hormone, or like your brain thing. Your amniogala is your emotions, i.e. it's more um, anger and sadness, I'm pretty sure, and your prefrontal cortex is your personality. So essentially PTSD disrupts all of those and, you know, that's why you see people become more aggressive, that's why you see people, you know, freak out and have a fear of that thing that happened. Um, and prefrontal cortex is just how your personality responds to it. Each personality is different, um, so not one person is the same. Essentially, if you go through a traumatic event and that another person goes through the same traumatic event, it doesn't necessarily mean both of you will develop PTSD. It is purely due to what your personality is and what your brain can, I guess, considers bad or not. Crazily enough, there is a correlation between PTSD and cardiovascular disease. I didn't know this, but apparently you're more likely to die from a heart attack if you suffer from PTSD. Also, the more severe your PTSD symptoms are, the more uh, likely you're going to have high blood pressure. Um, also, this may have something to do with many PTSD sufferers um, also suffering from conditions such as anxiety, which stimulates the sympathy nerves, therefore increasing heart rate and cortisol outtake. So if you have um, comorbid PTSD where your second uh, mental disorder is anxiety, you are at a higher risk of getting cardiovascular disease or a heart attack and that's solely because stress is pumping through you like 100% of the time. And you know, usually people don't deal well with stress, which you know, makes sense. Um, going back to what I was talking about earlier and triggers and how people are so, you know, this may be a controversial opinion, but I'm on TikTok, right? And I always see these trigger warnings and I, don't get me wrong, I like the trigger warnings when it's like flashes or, you know, self-harm, like the, the basics, but I think triggers are going so far. I saw a video, oh my goodness, um, during, uh... COVID lockdown, I followed this girl who made sourdough bread. Um, and if you don't know anything about sourdough bread, you will take a razor and you cut the um, sourdough in order to make like pretty designs or so that it can expand properly. I don't know. I'm not a sourdough professional. But um, people were trying to cancel her and get mad at her because she didn't put a trigger warning for the razor. And it was a huge argument um, within the TikTok drama world because it's is it the action of self-harming that's triggering or is it the razor cutting a piece of bread self-harming? Which, don't get me wrong, I understand how that could be triggering, but I just feel if you're not talking about a mental disorder or something that can trigger people, I, I don't feel like you should put a trigger warning on it. Like, I don't think that girl should put a trigger warning on her bread video because she just wants to cut it with a razor? I don't know. Comment down below um, if you're on YouTube and let me know what your thoughts are on trigger warnings because I think they are getting way out of hand nowadays, especially um, I posted a video. Um, yeah, that's what it was. I posted a video recently and it was just me doing a dance and, I, and someone said you should put a trigger warning of body checking and I had to search up what body checking is. Now, we've already done uh, the eating disorder podcast 
and I didn't even talk about body checking or anything like that because um, I didn't know what it was until just recently and it's basically there are people on TikTok that will body check themselves before they do a video which essentially means standing in front of um, the camera checking your body out and then going on with it. I don't think I body checked I literally think I was in front of the camera and I was backing away and I did the dance. And yeah, someone said that they were getting triggered because they thought I was body checking, which no, I wasn't. So that that's the whole gray area. It's like, well, what if you don't know it's a trigger and then people get mad at you when you don't know? Then again, I guess that is ignorance and not educating yourself, but I don't know. I it, It's a really interesting conversation to have and how trigger warnings have become so desensitized now because like even when I was in high school I know people would always joke about I even joked about it all right I'm not perfect um I would always joke about like oh my god I'm so triggered or like you trigger me um and it, it, it was used so usely loosely back in the day and you know um I'm gonna get into a story here where I actually did get diagnosed with acute PTSD um I no longer have it hence why it's called acute PTSD, but it was after my breakup with my very, 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 very abusive ex-boyfriend. Um, so I, like I said, I used to joke about triggers back in the day where it's like, oh, you're so triggered or I'm so triggered um, until I actually developed uh, PTSD was when I realized, huh, that is not something to joke about because I, when I had uh, my PTSD symptoms, and I'll get into them, uh, people would make fun of me. Like, even my closest friends would be like, are you seriously scared to do that? Like, get over yourself. And I now understand why people get so upset when they joke about triggers. So anyways, long story short, yes, I met a guy um, back in high school I would love to say that things were good at the start, uh, but the first time he put his hands on me were two months into the relationship. Now you may be asking yourself, Justine, why, why did you not leave that relationship the second he put your hands on you? Well, you see young children or um, older watchers, um, there's this thing called emotional manipulation. <laughs> um, and I was a huge pushover growing up. I've mentioned this in previous streams. I am a pushover. I am a people pleaser. I hate saying no. So when it came to the time where he put his hands on me and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I never do it again. Like, I'm so, so sorry. Like, oh my God, I believed him. And then uh, four months into our relationship, we had a very serious argument where ironic, I remember this. Oh my goodness. Sorry, it was so long ago now. It was like four, five, four years ago. Wow. Thank God I'm out of that relationship. Anyways, um, the first time we broke up, I went to go see a friend um, after school um, who was my guy friend growing up. Like, I've known him for like six or seven years. And I just went to hang, like literally, you know when you're driving home and you see a friend hanging out at like the skate park or something that you go and drive in? And you're like, hey, what's up? And you talk for like five minutes and you leave. That's exactly what happened. I literally drove in and was like, hey, friend, um, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And then I drove home and my freaking ex um, was like, where are you? Why aren't you home yet? And I was like, oh, I just stopped by to see this person. And he lost his mind at me. He screamed at me. He called me all these awful names. And I was supposed to go over for supper, right? Um, that night, he's like, don't even think about having supper. You're a slut, blah, blah. Like, uh, you probably cheated on me. And it's like, I was there for five minutes. Anyways, tried to break up with him. But then I got the old doozy of I'm going to kill myself. And if you leave me. And, you know, I did leave him for a day um, because I tried to block him on everything and he texted me through three different numbers. Three different numbers. And you know what I did? I was stupid. And I said I'd go for coffee. And just if any, <laughs> if any of you guys are in a toxic relationship right now, please, please stay true to your word, all right? Because I said that the only way I'd get back together with him is that if he went and got therapy. Guess what? He never went. And did I stay with him? Yeah, I did. Why? I don't know. I was a, a manipulated little 17-year-old. Like, I... It's, it's hard to say. Like, I know a lot of people who haven't been in abusive relationships. Um, you don't get it until you're in it. 
um, one of my really close friends, she's never been in a abusive relationship, so she finds it a very hard connecting with me because, you know, how could someone do such a thing? Which is like fair, but people, there's some nasty people out there. And I'm not saying that my, um, abusive relationship was that bad, uh, but I will say that it did affect me enough to develop acute PTSD. Um, anyways, you probably are bored of me talking about that. Um, essentially, when we did break up, we broke up, I think, 10 months in. Um, I was, oh my god, this story makes my blood boil every single time I tell it. Um, <laughs> but here we go. So, basically what happened was, so, our relationship was very abusive. Um, he would, you know, hit me. Um, he did more emotional abuse more than physical. He basically said I couldn't hang out with anyone and that once school was over for the day, I had to go straight to his house or else there would be consequences. So whatever that meant, probably meant, you know, punch to the face, but anyways, doesn't matter. Um, the night we broke up, I, so my mom was in the hospital, um, getting her gallbladder removed and my dad works, um, semi-trucking. So I was home alone that night. This is important. Um, I, again, same situation. I was driving home and basically I come from a small town. So there was this hangout spot that we would go to and I saw, um, my friend there and I actually ironically saw, I used to work at, in retail back at my hometown and there was a new coworker who was joining us like within the next week and that new coworker was hanging out. So I figured, Hey, I'm gonna go introduce myself, right? Because we're gonna work together in like a week. So I'm there and you know, I get to talk in because like I'm not expected to be home or anything. Um, I do remember I had a calculus test the next day, but who really studies in high school, right? Um, but anyways, uh, like I think 20 minutes went by. I, I can't remember, like this is alleged now because it's been so long, but essentially um, I was hanging out and guess who shows up? my ex or boyfriend at the time and he like drives in he pulls up right next to me he glares at me and he just leaves and i was like what was that like how did you know i was here turns out snapchat maps was on and he saw where i was and wanted to go check where i was to make sure i i guess was okay no that wasn't the case um he thought i was cheating and as soon as he pulled away, I got a barrage of text messages telling me that I am a cheater, that I am a whore, that I am a slut, all of the list above, and that is finally was my breaking point. So at this point, I went home. I, I remember this. Oh my god. Um, if if you're watching this friend that I'm talking about, I really, I, I, I still owe you $200. Um, I shook my friend's hand that night. I said, I bet you $200 we're breaking up tonight. It, yeah. I guess I guess I won won that bet lost that bet oh wait no I bet you 200 we'll break up tonight wait I, hey friend who I haven't talked to in four years you owe me $200 <laughs> anyways I got home and I started texting him and I was like you know what like I'm not your pet anymore also before anyone thinks this is a fake story I still have the text messages and proof because this went to court and therefore I had to have all the text message evidence and everything so Everything I'm saying is true, and everything that is not necessarily true, I will say alleged. So, because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically what happened was, is I went home, said that, hey, I'm not your pet anymore, um, I can't do this, I can't, like, you're basically controlling me and I hate it. So he's like, what does this mean? Are we breaking up? And I was like, yes, I want to break up. And he's like, oh, so you think I'm such a bad boyfriend, how could you, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I thought that was it. No. Like, 10 minutes later, I get, like, the SWAT team at my door. It wasn't the SWAT team, it was him. He broke down my door. Not, like, dramatically what you're probably thinking, but he broke the lock off of my front door and came in with a bag of my stuff, and he's like, if we're gonna fucking break up, then I want all of my shit back. So he grabbed me by the arm, like, hard, threw me down my stairs and told me to go get a shirt of his because he knew that I had it in my closet. Even though I didn't, um, as I did remember giving it back to him, um, but he made me rip out all of my dressers, all of the clothes in my closet. He made me strip my bedroom clean to make sure I did not have this shirt. Um, anyways, he dragged me up the stairs again and at this point, 
I have all of his stuff in a box and I am a person to give back gifts. I don't like keeping uh, boyfriend gifts uh, once you broke up, like, you know, necklaces, teddy bears. It's kind of just like, I like giving them back because it's like, this just reminds me of you and I don't like it. So anyways, I had a bunch of the bracelets and necklaces he gave me over time as well as a picture he painted for me as well as a framed picture of us. So what did he decide to do? Well, he took each and every single bracelet and necklace and ripped them and pulled them apart to shreds. Um, most of the bracelets were beaded, so think of pulling apart a beaded bracelet where they fly everywhere. Um, I was wearing my grandma's necklace um, that costed around $300, ripped it right off my neck, said that I didn't fucking deserve this, ripped it into a bunch of little pieces, took the painting that he made me, snapped it over his knee, threw it at me, and said, is there any other shit in your car? And I said, no, I don't think so. So what does he decide to do? He decides to grab me by the scruff of my shirt, pull me out to the car, and tell me to open it and make sure that there was nothing in there. Guess what? There was nothing in there. So I then end up going up to my porch um, and I, so I'm emotional at this point. I'm not trying to say I was in the clear being like, oh, this was all his thing. I did do an, um, an action, um, too. I, that framed picture that I had, I didn't throw it at him, but I threw it next to him. Uh, my goal wasn't to hit him, but it was here, like, take this fucking picture then, right? Um, so what does he do? He picks it up. He comes right up to me on the porch, smashes it right in front of me to the point where the glass shatters and um, I think two shards cut my legs, but that's not, that's not apparent. Like that's not important. It's just, yeah, it, it cut my legs a little bit and it shattered. I guess that was like my breaking point because I told him to, the, to get the fuck off my property and to never see him again because he is destroying my property. Um, so you know what he does? You know what he does? You know what he does? I remember this, clear as day. He walked away. And he then turned around, stormed right up to me. He then, he threw me against the wall in a chokehold, choking me out. And he said, no one will ever love you. Boy, was I scarred. He then proceeded to punch me and then left. He like dropped me and he left because my friend was actually coming with a baseball bat um, to beat the shit out of him. So he skirted out of there right away. I had this really big bruises on my neck um, and it's like, so funny because I was the lead role um, in the play that I was in in high school and so I had to use makeup to cover up those bruises to make sure that no one thought I was being abused. So I, um, a lot of people in relationships like that, um, they tend to not go to the police because they are scared for their life which I was. Um, two, about a week went by and he would drive. So I lived in a dead end, right? This is important. There, it's a dead end. You, you, you have to circle back if you want to get like out onto the road. And his car would go back and forth from my house multiple times a day to the point where, you know, I feared for my life. Um, and it wasn't even that bad because I still wasn't going to do anything about it because I had him blocked on everything. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. Also got like an 87% on that kelk test, even though I was going off of no sleep. So yay me. Um, anyways, what ended up happening was like a week and a half later or something like that. Um, my friend basically pulled up his Facebook and was like, you need to see this because he's slandering you. And here in Canada, you can sue for defamation um, and slander. Not in America because uh, y'all have free speech, but here in Canada, we don't. So I look on his Facebook and it turns out he has been slandering my name across his Facebook. He went on and on about how I abused him, how it was all my fault that he did the things that he did. He was like reposting like quotes from like abusers and all this stuff. So I finally was like, yeah, no, no, you're not doing this. So I went to the police. Um, and I also went to the police because he was stalking me. And when I went to the police, they took my case seriously. I didn't know this at the time, um, but when I lived in Saskatchewan, um, uh, there is such thing called, oh, what was it called? It, it, the, the, 
it's not the one consent law, but it's, a, it's essentially that if you go in um, to the police station about a domestic abuse case, police have the right to pursue and take charges, like to take action and press charges, even if you don't want to. Um, I don't know exactly what that law is called, but essentially I went into the police station, I showed all the evidence, I had pictures of all the broken like jewelry, I had all the text messages, I had the Facebook posts, and I just said, hey, I don't want to press charges, but can you go and just send a police officer up there and tell him, hey, cut this out, essentially. So um, a police officer ended up taking my case, and he, of course he denied everything, you know, deny, deny, deny. And it wasn't until the day after I found out, I got a restraining order, or well, here in Canada, it's a peace bond. I had a peace bond for one year where he could not show up to my school, work, or anything, uh, which was so nice. Trust me, I lived in fear. And this is why, because the day after I went to the police, um, so this is, this is going to get tongue twisty. In my biology class, the girl who sat next to me, we weren't friends or like acquaintances, but I knew of her. Like she's a classmate. Um, okay. That girl's older sister was at the bar that night. And that older sister told the, the classmate who told, who then told me, yes, that makes sense, that, um, the older sister was there and what my ex was there and allegedly, he was threatening to kill me and he said that the next time he saw me he would cut me up into a bunch of pieces because i am a worthless piece of shit and i deserve to die you want to know how that feels knowing that at 9 a.m in the morning that someone is actively allegedly wanting to kill you it's not fun it's not fun at all. So anyways, I went to the, back to the police, gave them that information. But like I said, it was alleged, so therefore couldn't do much about it. So time passes by. I'm still working in my workplace. I am friends with this girl. Uh, well, we're not friends. We're acquaintances. Like, again, classmate situation. I knew of her. I am scrolling on Instagram, and if you know what Instagram does, it's when you follow a person, um, suggested followers come up, and I was already following this girl, okay? And her older sister popped up, and I was like, oh my god, that's blank blank's older sister. Yeah, I'm gonna hit follow, right? Because I follow people who I know, or at least know kind of of. I got a phone call from the police like 20 minutes later saying that someone is filing her a harassment report on me and I was like what like who could possibly be putting a harassment report on me other than my ex turns out that that older sister um just started dating my ex at that time and I guess my ex told her to do a harassment report so I had to explain my situation and be like I am so sorry I will block them I and then I said like I, I was friends with the little sister and that I didn't mean anything of it and yeah so that that got dropped thank god because I was terrified that I was going to get a harassment charge for just following someone on freaking Instagram um if you want to know that was basically the end of it I then ended up you know moving to Alberta, um, getting away from that, and long story short, um, I'm pretty sure he went to jail for a couple months, and he had to do anger management for two years, I think, like domestic abuse anger, I don't know what it was, I think he had to do one year of domestic abuse and two years of anger management, allegedly, I will say, because I know for a fact that he had to do that, but I'm not sure about the jail part, so, allegedly, because I don't want to get sued. Um, anyways, you're probably like, why did I go on that, like, 30-minute tangent about my ex? Well, I went the therapy after, because go figure, right? And turns out, yeah, I got diagnosed with acute PTSD, and again, going all the way back to the triggers, you want to know what my number one trigger is, which you can laugh, you are allowed. I am afraid of Walmarts. <laughs> I have a trigger, not anymore, not anymore, but I can't really say that, so when it first happened, I was scared of all Walmarts, and if you're wondering why, it's because um, me, my ex and I would always go to Walmart, that was our place, we'd go there like almost every day, so I was terrified of Walmarts, especially the one 
in my back hometown. Um, to the point now, like when I go um, back home for Christmas this year, um, just passing that Walmart that's in my town just gives me that like <gasps> feeling, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so I have a trigger of Walmarts. I, I can go into it now, like I, I'm fine, but at the time I, I would like almost throw up with the amount of like overwhelming anxiety that I would feel. Um, turns out another triggers I have is screaming. Um, that's normal. If I got yelled at, I, I don't like getting yelled at. And also, walking out of a room when I am not done a conversation. If we are having an argument or a conversation and you just walk out, it, it, it can even be a good conversation. We could be talking about freaking Santa Claus, okay? And if Santa, like, exists or not. And if you walk out of the room while I am talking, I go in- well, I used to go into full panic attack modes. I would freak out, like, like, almost have a full-blown seizure kind of thing. Um, I, I remember when I got to- I'm so thankful for the relationship that I'm in right now because he's only done that twice and I had a full-on meltdown. Um, but at least he he understood why and didn't call me crazy because my friend from back home called me crazy that I I get triggered by Walmarts and people walking out of rooms But like I said to each their own everyone has their own triggers heck you could be triggered from dogs Cats turtles like it depending on what your situation is you will get triggered by it like um, I know my um, Some I'm not gonna expose their name. I know someone that I know um, she gets triggered by frying pans. Isn't that crazy? They also freak out if you wake them up when they are sleeping, uh, due to a traumatic event that happened in their life. So yeah, you know what? Mine's Walmart's, theirs were frying pans. What's yours? I would love to know one of your triggers that kind of sound funny to the, um, to the outside world that don't understand what triggers are. But yeah, that is essentially, um, you you learn more about me every single day. Like, it's crazy how vulnerable I am becoming on these podcasts. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a one-on-one -on -one talking experience. And it's like, I always live by the motto that if you're going to judge me for my past, that's on you. Because I believe that you can make yourself a better person day by day. And that you do not need the past to define who you are now. Um, I know a lot of people um, in my life... D define themselves as their past and they say that they can't change because this is what happened and etc 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 I am not a believer of that I do believe the past can form your personality to who you are but that does not mean you have to be a bad or miserable person because of those past events anyways where were we um those were basically the symptoms again triggers um you're probably wondering what are the causes Justine how can I get PTSD that is not something we should say because no no one wants PTSD um, causes of it is the main thing is a stressful experience um, including the severity of trauma that you went whether experiencing or witnessing it so this is again like I said uh, PTSD affects your frontal prefrontal cortex which is your personality it technically PTSD cannot be through genetics but you can inherit PTSD a lot easier depending on your personality type so that essentially means that if your family let's say does not deal with stress well you are more likely to get PTSD if you go through a stressful event because of that so that's basically the causes is just a stressful event and how you react to it so, um, fun fact, uh, police officers, firefighters, or EMTs, um, they will all develop PTSD at least once in their life, depending on how severe, um, an accident was or a traumatic incident. Like I said, you do not have to experience the event by yourself. You can just be a witness. That essentially means with, f I know someone who has a crazy story when, um, he was a firefighter. Um, he basically said, you do not want to know what a burn victim looks like afterwards. That's all I will say. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, showing up to a, like, severe highway accident where there's multiple casualties, like, yeah, you will develop PTSD, and that's why firefighters, police officers, and EMTs, they have very extensive therapy, mental health. Like, they take that seriously. Um, because of the situations that they handle. Also, um, emergency 
room uh, secretaries as well as psychologists can develop PTSD. And again, this is all all dependent on your personality type. If you are someone who can empathize or even sympathize with someone, um, if you have a psychology patient that you feel even the slightest, the slightest um, emotion towards, because something we learn in psychology is that if you want to become a psychologist, you are not allowed to form emotional relationships with your patients. You have to be a brick wall and only take things at face value because there is situations that can happen where if you form an emotional connection with your patient and they kill themselves, you are going to think that that is on you for not helping them. And guess what? It is way more common in psychologists than you think that there is a lot of psychologists that people go to therapy to and will end up killing themselves and I cannot imagine. And that is actually something that turned me away from being a full-blown clinical psychologist because I don't think I would have, like, if someone, if one of my patients um, unalived themselves, I would feel like it's my fault because, you know, you'd have that self-doubt of being, well, I didn't help them good enough. Even though we are also taught that people who do unalive themselves, it's no one, it's no one's fault but theirs. Um, before you say, wait, that's very insensitive, I'm not going to get into it, but I have had my own experience with that, and essentially, yeah, it is the person's fault. It is the person who is unaliving themselves, that is their choice and their choice only. Um, whether you want to argue it is selfish or not, I do know that some people think it is very selfish to unalive yourself because you are leaving a lot of people behind. You do need to realize that people who are in that state of mind are going through su such term called tunnel vision. Um, this usually happens when if, if you've ever tried to attempt yourself or know anyone who has gone through with it. Um, basically what happens is your brain goes into tunnel vision mode, which the only thing you care about is unaliving yourself. Um, that is why um, a lot of people suggest, um, like a lot of like, I think researchers, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I read up on this and it actually makes sense. Let's say you want to unlove yourself by hanging yourself. Put the belt or rope on a shelf where you have to get a stepping stool. I know that sounds weird and bizarre, and why would you pre-plan putting that up on the shelf? Well, it will help you later in life, because basically it is termed that with that tunnel vision, if you can get broken out of that tunnel vision, most likely people don't go through with it. If you've heard of the Golden 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 Gate Bridge or the Golden State Bridge, um, where there's like multiple casualties in a year uh, jumping off that bridge. Um, a lot of people, you can talk people out of it. If you see someone standing on the edge of a bridge and you think that they are going to jump, get out of your car. Please do not have a bystander defect and get out of your car and help them because one person saying, hey, you probably shouldn't do that, will snap them out of their tunnel vision because um, it is very hard to snap out of. In, in fact, you can't snap out of it unless you have an outside um, instigator, which again, going back to the belt and rope on the top shelf, if you do that and you think that you want to unlive yourself, that means you have to go get your stepping stool, step on it, and then grab it. And by that time, you will probably realize, what am I doing? Um, rather than if you it were to be just in your closet, you grab your closet, you know, you do the thing. Um, like I said, I do know a bit about this, but I'm not going to get into it. Um, but essentially, if someone out there that you think is struggling with suicide attempts and just feelings of hopelessness and stuff, please, please talk to them. The best, the best thing is to let them know that they are not alone and that you will be severely hurt if you, if they leave. Um, and that's something I realized two years after the fact that, hey, if I do go through with this, it is kind of a bitch selfish because I am leaving a lot of people who love me to feel the grieve and the mourning for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's selfish either because someone is going through so much hurt and to the point where they feel like that the only way to make the pain better is to end themselves. That's not selfish. That is a call for help. And sometimes the cry for help is more severe than others. Going back to our favorite thing, women are three times more likely to develop PTSD more than men. Us women out here 
just have all of the struggles is what I've realized. Um, um, but the reason why is because women are more emotionally um, forward, where guys are more physically forward, I would say. Um, essentially what that means is men tend to hide their emotions a lot while women tend to not cope with their emotions that well, which is fair. Basically, women tend to be very emotional while men tend to repress their memories a lot, which are both bad, but when it comes to PTSD, reacting to a stressful situation, women are more likely to develop it. So the reason why women are more likely to get PTSD than men is due to traumatic childbirths. Um, childbirth is a very traumatic event, whether it is good or bad. There's a lot of things that can happen. You can get a C-section, you can tear from one part to the other part. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, which make women more likely to get PTSD, but, however, men are more likely to show more severe symptoms than women do, which is very interesting, and that is due to repression of emotions. Guys like to not think that they have any problems until they blow up. It's like a little ticking time bomb. Um, also, a little fun fact, dogs um, in the military um, and in the police force are 5% more likely to get um, PTSD, um, which is crazy, the fact that animals, um, can get PTSD. I mean, animals can get any mental disorder. This was just recently proven where, I, I know growing up, um, like my parents, they never believed that animals could get some type of mental disorder, but they can. They can get anxiety, depression, PTSD, all that stuff, which is crazy. Crazy. Going on to treatment, um, there is no cure for PTSD, only therapy. Um, essentially, your cure is how good can you de deal with that traumatic event now. Um, talk therapy, exposure therapy um, are all good ways to do it. Um, also, there is a new thing called um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, um, which is called EMDR. Uh, which is essentially a therapy used with exposure. By moving your eyes in a specific pattern and exposing yourself to your triggers, your brain learns how to reprocess the stimuli to your reactions, which is so interesting to think about, the fact that your eye movements can determine how your brain reacts to a situation. So again, going back to let's say you lived through a traumatic car accident, um, exposure therapy is essentially reliving that car accident um, in a virtual simulation and trying to respond better to it. Don't get me wrong, shock therapy is usually not the best therapy, but when it comes to PTSD, that is usually the only way you can battle and f get over PTSD, is essentially coming face to face with why you are acting like this, like why you are triggered. For me, it was I had to come to terms that yes, I was in an abuse I was in an abusive relationship and that I just had to accept it and that I'm not now, so I shouldn't be afraid now. Hence why I can go into a Walmart. <laughs> um but no, I, I just learned about how I've moved I know that's getting researched. Um I actually had to do uh what's it called? I had to do an experiment um, when I was in university and how um, I had to do like these eye tracking, like the eye tracking tests and apparently I had to answer questions afterwards and I had to say how I felt. So I assume they were trying to figure out the different how eye movements can make you feel. It's like the same thing as, you know, if you get a foot massage, um, your feet, depending what pressure point you put on your feet, can trigger a different emotion. That's pretty interesting. Also, there is some studies, um, I've brought this up in earlier um, podcast episodes, that microdosing may be a good way to uh, get over your PTSD, because if you don't know microdosing, um, which is basically taking shrooms at a very, very, very low uh, level to the point where you don't trip out, you just you take it kind of like a normal birth control pill and essentially it will rewire per certain parts of your brain which in turn can help with PTSD. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, there's a lack of study on it, um, but I do say if you are going through a traumatic event and you think that you are not being able to adjust or cope, please go talk to someone, anyone, it does not have to be a therapist, it can be your dog, as long as you talk about it and get down to the root of the problem as why you are having these panic attacks, nightmares, flashbacks, 
as long as you have something or someone to talk to, please go talk to them because hiding and repressing your memories is the worst thing to do as you are literally a ticking time bomb for whatever is yet to come. That is basically it on PTSD. Um, there's not much more I can really talk about other than um, if you are going through um, PTSD symptoms right now, if you are going through a life uh, a traumatic life event. I sincerely hope, wish the best for you. I hope you can get through it. And you know, let's all pray that you just have acute PTSD. <laughs> I know that's not something to joke about, but in the end, I, I'm very, very, very empathetic to the people who do have PTSD because it is a bitch to get over. But with that, be that being said, I will leave you guys with this fun fact. Um, going on about stress and traumatic events, um, fun fact, which is not necessarily a fact, but more may a way, maybe a different way of thinking. Um, just know that if you are stressing about something that is coming up in your life, no amount of stress will change the outcome of what will happen. Um, I used to be really bad for this. I would stress for grades um, in my university. Um, essentially, if you're stressing about anything, like if you're like, did you get the job? Are you gonna get that call back? Um, did, you, did you pass your test? Did you do this? Did you do that? Uh, and you're stressing out, freaking out about it, well, just know that no amount of stress is gonna change that outcome. So just sit back, wait until that outcome happens, and then feel free to stress and freak out as much as you want, whether it's good or bad. Um, with that being said, guys, thank you so much for coming to another episode of the Just Justine Time podcast. Um, next week, um, I will be having a guest um, on this podcast, and we are going to be talking about um, his um, effects of depression and in his life. So that'll be really cool. Um, to go check out um, next week if you wanted to. Um, I also know that when that podcast releases, I will be on his podcast, so also go check that out. Um, he will remain anonymous until next episode. But with that being said, if you liked this episode, please like it, rate it five stars, comment down below if you're watching on YouTube, do whatever you want because numbers make me happy and you know what? The more people who like and share this around, the more we can destigmatize mental health because I feel like the more people know about mental disorders, the less um, ignorance there is, if you get what I mean. Regardless, guys, I cannot wait to see you here next week and I will see you next time.